Hi, this is Daniel James, and this is the podcast of Triple R's The Mission, a weekly radio show exploring the issues that impact the lives of Aboriginal people and those at the wrong end of social justice in this country. The Mission is broadcast live on Triple R each Tuesday evening. Hope you enjoy the podcast and feel free to get in touch via the Triple R website. Well, good evening. Welcome to episode 000044 of The Mission. My name is Daniel James. It's good to be back. I'll be your host through till 8 this evening. As always, I'd like to start off by acknowledging the traditional lands from where I am broadcasting to you this evening, the land of the Wurundjeri, the Kulin Nation. I pay my respects to their elders past, present and emerging, and any of you mob that uh, might be out there as well. I'd like to thank Vaughan for Double Bounce. He brings it week after week. I've missed him. I've missed him dearly. It's good to see him. He's a busy man, but he's a good man, and he'll be back next Tuesday with more Double Bounce. Uh, it's great. Like I said, it's great to be back. Thank you to all the wonderful hosts that have taken over the mantle over summer. Declan, Rachel, Paul and Madeline, you've been in good hands while I've been gone. And uh, on the show tonight, we've got a bit of a treat for you. We've got Uncle Archie Roach, the one and only. I pre-recorded an interview with him a few weeks back that I'm looking forward to playing for you. Always illuminating, always meaningful and, and moving. And in the second half of the show, I'll be joined on the line by the CEO of the Aboriginal Housing, Victoria, Darren Smith. There is a crisis in housing, but particularly public housing right across Victoria. So we'll have a yarn to him about the particular impacts that has on the Aboriginal community in this state. And I've been away for a while, and so summer is over. Thank whichever God you want for that. Summers just get longer and harder in this country, temperature-wise and culturally. So what's been going on over the past 10 weeks of my absence from you? Well, we've seen questions of identity spill out onto the newspapers, social media platforms and poorly lit studios of pay TV around the country. It's been an ugly spectacle, ably aided and abetted by those in the media that seek to divide and perpetrated by those that think that pandering to racists and bigots amongst us is somehow going to buy them credibility as contrarians. It's a tough word, I can't even even pronounce it, it's how disgusted I am. Well, the sad fact is that um, they've only done their own reputations everlasting damage and left a nasty taste in our collective mouths. And of course, by far and away, the biggest and most tragic story of the summer was the devastating bushfires that ravaged our land from coast to coast. Dozens of human lives were lost and over a billion animals gone. Whole ecosystems destroyed, some never to return. And the other thing about it is we'll never know how many sites of cultural significance for Aboriginal people may have been lost. So many of our sites have been hidden and overgrown on private land for centuries now. Just like Machu Picchu, high in the Andes of Peru, which remained overgrown for centuries, we may never know the full cost of these fires to sites of significance for you and I. But one thing is for sure, the collective mourning for the loss of lands... The place it's destroyed has helped the broader population to see and to feel 
the way my mob have felt. Seeing what you hold dear and destroyed, violated, leaves a sadness in your heart. And I'm sure I speak for many in my community when I provide this bit of advice. The only way that we can get through this is with each other. We are stronger as a collective than we are by ourselves. And we've been more acutely aware of this over the past 232 years, more so, I would argue, than any other section of the Australian community. So if you listen, you might just learn something, and that's what the mission is all about. Together we will listen and we'll learn over the coming weeks and months from people that know things that you and I don't know. And that's the mission of the mission. And this is the mission on Triple R 102.7 FM. Triple R on FM, digital, online, via the app. Not many have lived as many lives from stolen child, teenage alcoholic, seeker, lover, father, musical and lyrical genius, to social advocate and First Nations leader but it took almost a lifetime to find out who he really was. He's Archie Roach. Uncle Archie has been a perennial on the Australian music scene for over 30 years. His unmistakable voice and talent for deeply touching verse makes him one of a kind as far as Australian music artists go. 2019 was a stellar year for Uncle Archie. He released a critically acclaimed biography, Tell Me Why, as well as a companion album of the same name. He was nominated for Australian of the Year, and deservedly so, and he's also a significant face in the promotion of the treaty process here in Victoria. In 2020, he will be touring nationally. It's an absolute honour to have Uncle Archie in the studio with me now. Uncle Archie, welcome to the mission. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, I thought I'd start off with a very, very broad question. Um, When was the first time that you sang? Oh, gosh. (laughs) It is... um I don't know. Um, I, I always enjoyed singing as, as a child, just singing to myself, I suppose. But so you mean the first time I sang in, in front of anybody? Or? Yeah, yeah. Just you know, it was the first time that you you, you performed a song for someone. Oh, okay. Uh, it was probably when I was about I don't know um, seven or eight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, not not. Uh, not that old, but um, I used to sing uh, a lot of songs, um, and I, I got up and sang. We used to um, sing it at uh, my foster parents' home there with uh, with family, uh, my foster family, and uh, but they invite my my sister Mary invite, would invite some of her friends from from the church to come around and play some music, and she she got me up to sing a song. Right. Uh, so they were, they encouraged you? Yeah, yeah, they certainly encouraged me, yeah. Yeah. Where, where do you think your life would be without music? Oh, look, I, I, I Who knows? couldn't imagine it. I don't want to imagine it really, but, but yeah, it, it, uh, it certainly um, – music was a big part of me, uh, of my recovery when I, when I stopped drinking alcohol and, uh, mm. and uh, trying to get myself right and, you know, uh, straighten myself out. So um, – you know, I, I I don't really know what else I'd be doing if it wasn't for music. I I, I did, you know, before we got into music professionally recording. Um, I, I I I thought that uh, you know, I wanted to work in community community, mm-hmm. just giving back, you know, um, and uh, giving back to uh, community and people and 
Uh, so well, in whatever way I could, I'd probably, I suppose I'd probably be be, be doing that some 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 way. Now, you, you, like I said in the in the introduction, you had a a very massive two thousand and nineteen. You were everywhere. Your book, Tell Me Why, was released. Were you surprised by how well the the critical acclaim was? For it, it's been very, very well received. Uh, yeah, very surprised. It was. Uh, it wasn't an easy thing to do to, no, to write imagine. a book. And some of the things that that, that um, we talked about in the book, I I never really talked about before. Mm. So it was, I suppose that was good for me to get that off my chest. So and, you, you, uh, you felt sort of a weight lift once yeah. the once you'd finished and released the book. Yeah, yeah, and uh, but yeah, I. I you know, it's like um, we didn't expect, um, you know, how, how it would be, re- how it was received. But, but we're very pleased, though. Yeah. So the book, you know, obviously covers your life from you know being born in Marupna, um, living in Rambalara for a time, then across yeah. to to Ramiak, yeah. then the streets of Sydney and the streets of Melbourne. Mm-hmm. Where do you feel most at home? Oh. I, I suppose it's back in, in my mother's close to my mother's country in southwest Victoria, mm-hmm. a good Nishmara country. Um, but I do love going back to I do love going back to uh, Shepparton and Marupna. Every time I go back, I have memories of. Uh, well, Shepparton was a big part of my story as well. But uh, Marupna, I don't. You know, I was just a baby when I was born in Marupna. But I, uh, in my journey back back home, finding my people. Uh, I ended up in in Shepparton, and uh, so I still have fond memories of Shepparton. I, 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 I do I do enjoy going back to Shep. Yeah, I think I saw you one time. I was coming out of the cemetery at um, Cambragunja, and I was heading out. I think I saw you um, heading in. Um, there's so many of our legends and you know our elders buried there. Mm. Um, it's 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 the the, the Cemetery there is quite amazing. You have William Cooper, you have Sir Doug Nichols, you have yeah. um, Ada Cooper. You have <laughs> basically all of the legends that sort of gave birth to the, yeah. the social justice movement here in here in Australia. That's true. What what takes you back there? Oh, back to what the camera? Yeah. Oh gee, I, I just love I just love love yeah, I love the river. Yeah. Um, and like you say, the people. Um, but it's yeah, it's that it, that they've always had that 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 um, that spirit, mm. uh, that 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 uh, that reason to to get up and, 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 and fight and do something about their, their circumstance, uh, and especially how government you know, treated the people there. And I think that's that's probably the main reason I do because it has that feel mm. about it, with that spirit uh, of country, of place that that, that uh, um, they certainly did. You know, since you know, like you know, since back those legends you just remembered, William Cooper and all, uh, and the walk off. Yep. Uh, and uh, they just wouldn't uh, wouldn't sit down and, and take. Take it, you know. They actually got up and, and did something about it. At least uh, voiced and uh, protested. Uh, uh, and yeah, so I think it's, there's something about that 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 uh, spirit of resilience and uh, and uh, 
and um, resistance that, that, that uh, takes you back there. Yeah, it's a very, um, very special place. It sort of has mm. its own gravity, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, you know, whenever I drive past, I can't drive past it. A lot of the time I have to pull in. Yes. Um, last year you also released um, a, an album to, to go with the book and that saw you collaborate again with uh, the great Paul Grabowski. Mm-hmm. How did you guys end up working together? Because it's not the first time. No, gosh, back in, um, I don't know, uh, I'm not quite sure, it was a while back now, but we, we, we got together and uh, uh, Paul uh, Grabowski wanted to do, do something um, uh, about Ruby, sort of like do a, do a, do a, some sort of like write some songs and get, get a, almost like a musical mm-hmm. around uh, my, my late partner Ruby Hunter's story and the river, the Murray River where, she, where she's from. So that's when we first started working together and getting songs together for that and uh, and another project as well uh, called Kuratunga in uh, Ruby's Ngunjiri language. But, um, yeah, that's... Uh, but we also done a few uh, other things as well uh, with him. So we've worked with him through the years, yeah. So it's good to get back and collaborate again with, with Paul. So, so the album is um, 11 tracks and you've got three new... Um, tracks on there, mm-hmm. and it's in the main just your voice with with Paul's piano. I mean, it's a fantastic yeah. album. I've played yeah. I play it all the time on, on the mission, so you can expect a check in the mail <laughs> at some point. Um, yeah. Are you? Um, uh, what sort of um, setup are you looking to take out on the road in um, twenty twenty? Yeah, well, that, that that's what we've we've, we've been doing. Um, uh, yeah, uh, taking out on on the road. Uh, uh, now is is uh, is basically Paul on piano. Um, the full band is Paul uh, on piano, a, uh, a double bass player, mm-hmm. uh, some drums, and uh, violin and and, and uh, guitarist. So a lovely sparse setup. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It gives, gives and it gives the songs a whole lot. Yeah, sparseness and room to breathe, and yeah. And yeah, time to I know uh, it's a, it's a different way of of playing and, and singing the songs. Like I said, there's, there's more sparseness, uh, and like like I said, uh, room for the songs to 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 be to be um, uh, interpreted. Yeah. yeah, it's kind of like a um, you know a big warm embrace for mm. for the story and 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 for your voice and yeah. you know obviously a lot of thought has been given to to making those arrangements so it can mm. really highlight the, the personal nature of the stories. That's true, that's true. With, um, with, with the book, um, there's so many, so many revelations in it. I think one of the ones that's obviously shocked, shocked a lot of people is you know, the fact that you were an alcoholic at mm. the age of eight. When were you able to shake that drug and has there been any times since then that you've been close to going back? Oh, it's... You know, it took it took a while. I was, I was you know, I'm only 26 when I gave it away. Mm. But you know, there was they come. There, there were times when it came close to, to yeah. But I haven't had a drink over you know, um, 30 years now. Yeah, it's amazing. And, uh, but um, there were times when you, I don't know, when when you just, I don't know, um, I came that close. Probably, you know, just just a just a just. It was a little bit close to picking up a drink again, and uh, mm. 
but but didn't, and I'm, I'm so glad that, that I never did because, yeah, the thing about the thing about uh, you know, being an alcoholic is that you, you don't you, you don't have a drink and sort of just just say oh well uh, you know uh, that wasn't too bad. You just go straight back to to where you finished mm. where you finished your drinking, straight back to square one, and, and it's like you never you never stopped at all. And so I, I, I never want to ever. Ever do that again? Yeah. It's, I think it's a real testament to to the strength that you have a, around that. Is you work in the Australian musical scene, <laughs> you work in pubs, yeah. you work with well, you know you've probably worked with numerous heavy heavy drinkers, yeah. party yeah. animals, oh, yeah. and and yeah. the like, and yet you still have the the resolve not to partake. I think that's something you should obviously, amongst many other things, be tremendously proud of. Yeah, yes, I am. It's, but um, you know, like I, I understand. I think I understand a, a, a lot more about about drinking, and uh, especially if you if you you're an addict, if you become addicted to alcohol, any sort of substance or drug, um, you know, you, you, uh, it's 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 just so much better not to. But you understand that, that other people, you know, uh, whether socially or they have a problem and that. Uh, uh, it's not for me to say. Yeah, and uh, you know, and so it's just part of part of part of what I, what I do, and I see it. I see it around me, but it's like yeah, I don't have to partake, and that, that's a good thing. It, it, it's the company and, and the people that that I that I enjoy, and I suppose I find comfort comfort in in, in that, and that 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 helps me as well. What, what was it like being nominated as um, the Australian of the Year? That, that was a big surprise. Very, very surreal. I, I didn't expect that at all. I, yeah, I, I, I thought you know, being you know, someone else when they had the Victorian representative when they announced the, the Victorian reps, uh, I didn't think I had a chance at all. Considering who else was was nominated, but I was. So that just uh, I don't know. I was I was stunned for a while, and I thought, wow, th- this is. Uh, but I thought about it for a little bit, and I thought. Well, you know, it's a it's a big thing, uh, you know, and you know, and a, and a lot of lot of lot of you know, and a few people through the years, you know, uh, First Nation, Aboriginal, uh, Indigenous, whatever we, we we wish to call ourselves, um, have, have 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 actually been Australians of the Year. And, yeah, uh, and, and and it's hard to weigh up. You know, between who who you are, I mean, as as a First Nations person, and, and as an Australian, try to try to balance that somehow to 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 seem or to be more inclusive or representative of, of, of all Australians, and uh, and it's very hard when 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 yeah, as a young bloke, as a person growing up through the years, it hasn't you haven't been sort of a uh, afforded the same luxury as this, mm. the, like inclusiveness and and that, but but you, you've got to you've got to weigh up those things and try to try to I don't know um, try to be a better person because of it. So yeah, it was it was tough, you know. And I'm, I'm sort of glad in a way that I wasn't. Yeah, <laughs> I, I didn't 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 get the gong, but but it was you know, it was it's like yeah, you know, it's good to be recognised for what you do. And and so yeah, I imagine you know that that, that internal conflict that you speak of, mm. you know, the, mm. you know the fact, you know, the way you've been treated by Australia over the years, 
and the fact that um, you know the, the ceremony takes place itself on you know Invasion Day. Mm. Um, that you've just described what a what a you know intense conflict that mm. is. You That's know, right. but at the same time, you feel honoured. Yeah, and if you be if you're actually were bestowed with the honour. Then there's a huge responsibility that yeah. sort of comes along with that at the moment. Exactly. Um, yeah. Have you ever been um, named Gunditjmara Man of the Year? <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I know there's so many. Yeah, there's so many because I admire other other countrymen. I admire. Yeah, it's a pretty uh, pretty tough field. It, it is, and and, and and you know, like, uh, yeah, but that's <laughs> quite that's that's. A, that's quite funny. Sorry, <laughs> no, no, but but no, but, uh, but who knows? You know, that may may crop up sometime. Yeah. You've you've had a massive 2019. You're hitting the road in in 2020. Is there anything else that you're you're working on this year, or you're just going to perform? No, well, perform, but I, you know, you you never know. I'd like to, I'd like to be able to write um, some more songs, and you always. Always hoping to write, you know. As a songwriter, singer-songwriter, you, you always, yeah, you, know, you always trying to hope, yeah, hoping to to write that 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 one 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 real deadly song, you know. That that uh, you got a, you got a few under your belt, yeah. But you know, it's it's it's. Um, I know. I just just I just love to be able to to write a few more songs and. Mm. And just keep that going, and hopefully, you know, it's not all dried up. There's still something there in the well. Yeah. You know, and um, but yeah, but but like you know, this isn't. Uh, yeah, like I say, it's it's it's, it's uh, we're, we're going to break things up, and uh, and uh, due to due to due to my health, it's it's pretty good. It, it could be better, but it's mm-hmm. the way it is. Uh, but but and age as well. But I still love doing what I do, and uh, yeah. performing and doing shows is. Is probably uh, something that I'll, I'll hopefully never tire of for a little while. Yeah, great. In terms of, um, you know, if you don't mind if I ask a question about your health, how is no, your no. how is your health at the moment? Oh well, you know, it, it's 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 um, yeah, probably if it's probably managed, I'm I'm okay. You know, but sometimes you you get a bit slack, you know, mm. and, and and you think oh, I'm okay or. I probably won't take that uh, medication today or whatever, and, and, and yeah. it's the worst thing you can do, you know. But um, yeah, but but you know, but if you look after, if, you, if I manage it all, all right, my health all right, or or, or, or the problems, or, or should I say, you know, my illness or whatever, mm. um, then I'm okay, and that's what it's about. It's about managing, able to manage, manage what. Uh, uh, what pain or whatever whatever health uh, problems you have, and if you if you're doing that right and correctly, uh, I, I'm okay. Yeah. yeah. Well, there's a lot of people that um, care for you and care about you, so please, mm. you know, take those medicines as prescribed, please. <laughs> I will. <laughs> um, tell me why the album is now available through Bloodlines Music and it's available in all stores and online. And tell me why Archie's amazing biography is available in all good book- bookstores. It actually got a rating, it's very critically acclaimed, it actually got a rating of 4.67 on um, Goodreads. And um, as we know, the internet is brutal when it comes to um, uh, uh, reviewing things online, but... Um, you know, that's um, pretty much as good as it gets. So mm. congratulations on the book, congratulations on your career. And um, once we get some dates, I'll, um, I'll plug them on the album. I'll keep playing your songs. So, you know, look out for those checks. 
Nah, that's too, too deadly. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah, thank you. This is a podcast from Triple R, an independent media organisation in Melbourne, Australia. To find out more about Triple R or to explore many more shows, podcasts, articles, videos, and interviews, head to the Triple R website at rrr.org.au. And to tonight's second guest, Victoria has the highest rate and the fastest growing rate of Aboriginal people seeking homeless support in this country. If um, mainstream Victoria experienced a housing crisis at this rate, more than 1 million people would be seeking homeless assistance every year. And there's a crisis in housing across the community, but like almost every other area of social crisis, when it comes to Aboriginal people, it seems to impact us more than most. And last week, the uh, Aboriginal Housing Victoria launched the Victorian Aboriginal Housing and Homelessness Framework. The framework is the product of a literature review, data analysis, three policy background papers and 13 discussion papers, a statewide summit with over 150 delegates, a report on the findings and a community symposium that provided feedback on those findings. So it's been a long time coming and a lot of work's gone into it. So our guest is Darren Smith. He's a Palawa Trawerina man from Tasmania and he's the CEO of Aboriginal of Aboriginal Housing Victoria. And he joins us on the line to tell us about the framework and more. Darren, welcome to Triple R. Thank you, Daniel. Good Thank to you s- for giving me the opportunity to talk to you, to your listeners. Oh, it's a very important issue, so um, you know I, I appreciate you coming on. Um, first of all, tell us about the the role of Aboriginal Housing Victoria. Um, Aboriginal Housing Victoria approached um, the Department of Premier and Cabinet and. Um, Department of Health and Human Services about 18 months ago and um, suggested that um, there's a need to do some um, policy work around um, a long-term approach to addressing the Aboriginal housing needs uh, for the Victorian Aboriginal community. And we have led um, a process to develop the framework um, of Victoria's Aboriginal community. So we've had quite an extensive process, as you listed there, of mm. engaging with um, Aboriginal community members and getting their um, their views, their ideas, um, and um, their vision for what the um, not only what the um, aspiration is in the future, but also for what are the solutions to the current um, homelessness problems and housing um, problems of the Aboriginal community. So, in 20 years' time, um, the Aboriginal community can actually um, um, deliver on what their um, aspirations are, housing aspirations are. Yeah, and one of those aspirations, one of the aspirations of the framework is to move beyond crisis management and move to housing equity. Um, describe to us what the housing situation looks like for many Aboriginal people at the moment. Um, well, a, a lot of the, um, well, as you mentioned, um, introduction, um, the Aboriginal uh, homelessness, the rate of access to Aboriginal homelessness services is the highest in Victoria. So at the moment, we're looking at approximately 11,000 presentations to homelessness services. And that's out of a population of how many? Roughly 60,000. So it looks like one in six Aboriginal people are seeking housing or homelessness support every single year. And that's, as you mentioned, if you looked at it in the the broader community, that would be one million non-Aboriginal people accessing homelessness services in Victoria. So it's an absolute crisis in terms of the system and 
the the other the other issue is that we we have such a high participation in social housing in the Aboriginal community. So roughly one in four, one in five Aboriginal people in Victoria living in social housing, and that's compared to one in 50 of the broader population that's living in social housing. So there's a, there's a complete reliance on the safety net of homelessness and housing services for Aboriginal people. And of course, it means is that we have far less Aboriginal people in Victoria that own their own home. So you've developed this really, really very, very comprehensive uh, framework, and it's got um, it's got Darren Smith's work written all over it. <laughs> um, knowing you from previous lives, it's um, really very detailed, and um, the the consultative uh, methodology you've put into developing it is um, you know very apparent throughout. Um, in the framework, you you, you emphasise that one size um, doesn't fit all when it comes to solving um, these crises. What do you mean by that? I guess what we, we mean is, and the first thing is, oh, I won't take credit for the framework. There's been a, a great team in Aboriginal House that have put this together, including the former CEO, Jenny Sams, and Peter Peter Jones, uh, our senior policy officer, who have led the charge in putting the framework together. But we've also had a really strong steering committee, and I won't name them, um, mm-hmm. except for the chair, Kerry Arabina, and they've, they've really... Um, worked hard to make sure that we got the maximum input we could from um, Aboriginal community members, including our Aboriginal tenants. So um, we're really grateful for all of that input. Um, and sorry, I'm just going to have to ask you again. What would you? Yeah, the question. The question was: it emphasises the framework emphasises that you know a one-size-all approach does not work. Yeah. So what 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 do you mean by that? Well, well, I guess what we're saying is that you need to look at the. The, the barriers to different cohorts in the Aboriginal community. So one of the um, clearest barriers to home ownership is um, access to finance. So what we need is a range of uh, programs and supports that can actually, Aboriginal people can actually engage with and actually utilise in order to increase home ownership. And there's schemes the Victorian government are delivering at the moment, a shared equity scheme which reduces the uh, borrowing to get into the home ownership market. And they, they're the kind of things that I think we need to think about. We need to address the barriers uh, for individual people. So uh, when, we, when we look at social housing, one of the issues that we have is that we have particular groups of people that have particular needs in the Aboriginal community. So elders. Mm-hmm. Uh, elders in our community, um, they're, um, we're getting more elders in the in the Aboriginal community, but they've also got issues around chronic health conditions and, and other things, which means that they actually age much better than the non-Aboriginal population. So we need forms of housing that actually meet their needs and transition them um, through their life course at that end. Um, we have young people. We have over-representation of Aboriginal children in out-of-home care by a factor of 10 to 12. Yeah. And what that means is that we, we know that young people exiting care when they, when they turn 18, there's a huge rate of um, those young people that turn up in homelessness services within uh, 12 months to, to two years. So they actually need programs and supports that facilitate them being able to maintain 
their tenancies if it's in social housing or even if it's in the private rental market. We have um, a massive issue with family violence in the Aboriginal community. Mm-hmm. And um, we actually need purpose-designed housing solutions that incorporate incorporate uh, services and supports for victims and for perpetrators of family violence if we're actually going to um, ensure that they can have safe and secure housing as well. And, of course, there's, yeah, some very um, poignant examples. And, of course, there's people living with a disability that, you know, may be struggling with housing but also having to navigate the NDIS at the same time. Uh, Absolutely. And I know that there are some housing agencies out there that that have solved the NDIS um, issue around housing. Um, we don't we don't say that we have. Um, and you're right, there's an absolute need for people with disability that they get the forms of housing that they actually need so that they can enjoy the same quality of life that the rest of us do. It is 13 to 8. You're listening to the Triple R. This is the mission. I'm Daniel. I'm speaking with the CEO of Victorian Aboriginal Housing, um, Darren Smith. Um one or two questions before I let you go, Darren. When did government stop seeing public housing as an investment instead of just merely a cost? Um, that's probably a question for government, isn't it? <laughs> your view would be fan- your your view would be fantastically. Well, look, look, we know that governments right across the country have been under investing in social housing for probably a decade, maybe twenty years. Um, in Victoria, we know that the the level of investment in social housing is about half of other states. And there is no way that you can resolve the homelessness crisis that we're seeing for Aboriginal people in Victoria and for the broader population without investing in social housing. What kind of um, response have you had from government so far? I know it was launched at uh, Queen's Hall at Parliament last week. Well, did you get much of a hearing from, from our uh, political masters? I, I look. The initial response is positive. We've had some investments that were announced that um, that go some way to some of the actions in the framework. But um, I think um, there's an acknowledgement that we need to do a lot more work. There needs to be a lot more investment if we're actually going to um, implement all of the actions that are in the framework. And the reality is that we need. We need to adopt all of the recommendations. Um, mm-hmm. You can't tinker around the edges around the housing crisis that we have, um, and you won't actually advance any the solutions for the system if you if you just tinker and and partly implement the recommendations. There needs to be a broader, long term commitment to implementing the Victorian Aboriginal Housing and Homelessness Framework. The response has been positive. Um, but the reality is what we hear very often is that the government has um, an issue with budget pressures. Yeah, it's, um, it, it, what happens, you know, what has happened time and time again, you know, across Aboriginal affairs over the years is that the community has provided a response, provided the answers to to. to to government, and this is a classic example of that. This is a classic example where you've gone away, you've formulated a, a response based and driven by, based on community 
principles and driven by the community itself and you've handed this over to them and you know they should feel like they're sort of <laughs> they should feel blessed for for the amount of work that's been done for them and um you know hopefully they'll they'll come to the table sooner rather than later because this crisis isn't going anywhere any soon uh, absolutely it's it's one of those issues that doing nothing is not going to help you there there has to be action taken because the problem is only going to get worse well, Darren, thank you for the work that you do. Um, congratulations on the framework, and I hope it um, yields the result the community reserves, deserves. Yeah, thanks, Daniel. Cheers. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Triple R's The Mission, a weekly radio show exploring the issues that impact the lives of Aboriginal people and those at the wrong end of social justice in this country. The Mission is broadcast live on Triple R every Tuesday evening. Hope you've enjoyed the podcast and feel free to get in touch via the Triple R website.